And so it, we have found that the number one root cause uh, for us and our experience has been rejection. That, that strategy of the enemy pushes us away from the love of the Father. So the number one need we have to walk with God and hear God's voice is safety and, and, and security in our identity in him and his love for us. And so the enemy's number one tool to, to defeat that and cut off our relationship with the Lord at the legs, right, is rejection. And so the enemy comes in early, you know, in the very early years and begins to instill belief systems that we operate from. So, you know, from, from early ages, two, three, and four, you know, there's just certain things that you learn and they are foundational for life. And the enemy is using rejection early yes. on to create an outlook on life for the for, for that person for the rest of their life. And uh, and so that has to be uh, has to be dealt with. You know, if, if I understand what the enemy did, then I can take it to Jesus and have him undo it. Amen. Welcome to the Spirit Forward podcast, a show dedicated to the teaching, discussion, and demonstration of the work of the Spirit of Jesus. God bless you, and thanks for listening. You know, um, you've referenced Jesus's gospel teachings multiple times now, with like binding the strong man, um, or or uh, you know, a demon coming with seven deadlier friends. Um, Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Matthew 18 is such a pivotal parable where an unforgiving servant is given over to the tormentors, the torturers. And he says, so my father will do to you if you are not forgiving. So there's so much um, potency in Jesus's gospel teachings that for me, it, those were really difficult to understand because I had this preconceived, this cliche bad doctrine that like, well, you can never be possessed. Um, you you know you can be oppressed. Funny, nobody ever explains what oppression is, right? And right. so, I didn't have a context for demonism, and therefore these conf- these uh, parables confused me because I thought it just must have meant like hell. You'll be handed into hell or something like that. But then you start realizing Paul picked up on it because Ephesians chapter four he said. Uh, don't give place. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the enemy. Okay, that's unforgiveness. Um, so he what's that place, right? Like, yeah, oppression, possession. Okay, throw the words out. They're unhelpful. If yeah. the devil has a place in my life, what does that mean? Right? Like, he, yeah, place. I gave him. A, I gave him a space in my life to operate from. Yeah, let's get Greek for a second here because oppression and possession are the same word. There's only one word in the Greek. And that's why a lot of our ministries use the term demonize and because it's, it's just realistically, it's, it's one word. Um, Yeah. And you're talking about giving place again, the Greek word is tapos, like a map, you know, and we're surrendering ground to the enemy. And this is teachings for the church. Jesus said in Matthew 15, that deliverance is the children's bread. We don't cast demons out of the heathen. So who do we cast demons out of? Right his children. And so this is all, uh, and then you also mentioned for a second there, um, besetting sin and golly, man, that thing has been thrown out so many times as if it's something we're supposed to live with. And yet the one passage that term is used in Hebrews, it says, set it aside, set it aside. (laughs) Right. So why do we have the besetting sin if we're commanded to set it aside? 
how do I set it aside, Ken? If 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 I'm struggling with this thing that you said I'm triggered, I'm not just simply tempted, but man, I'm actually triggered. I'm in bondage. I have a besetting sin. How do I set it aside? Yeah, so I think that that when it comes to the triggered and tempted thing, we have this kind of naive belief often that we are the uh, puppet masters of our decisions. So we're the, we're the governor of our decisions and we're not, we're a byproduct of um, insecurities, a byproduct of thinking, uh, worrying about what other people think like all of our decisions have a lot of motivations behind them, uh, especially when we're unhealthy, when we're healthy and spirit filled, Lord willing, it's a lot simpler. We make decisions out of what the Lord wants and out of love. Love for the Lord and love for our, our fellow human being, right? If you keep those two commandments, you're going to make great decisions. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Boom. Done. Simple decision making. <laughs> but we're not that simple. Yeah, right. It's true. We're not free, right? True. So I'm making decisions like what's going what's gonna to make me look best, uh, making, you know, based on vanity, on insecurity. Fear of man is a huge one. And... So we're not we're not the governor of our own lives. Uh, we have we have worked with individuals who have a, a super overbearing parent. Like they may be married and out of the house, but they have this overbearing parent that dominates their life. And and the people we're working with, they're like, I'm I'm making these decisions myself. And it's like, no, your mom's still making that decision. She didn't even know you had that decision, but she's in your head so much. Yes, she yes. made the decision. Oh man! And the spirit, the enemy, is working uh, as a spirit in that unhealthy relationship. So until you can break that soul tie or connection, unhealthy emotional connection, whatever you want to use with that person who dominates your life, um, they have, and I like to use this, I'm going to coin this. I'm sure I'll get five cents in royalties for coining it. Uh, a tyrant's yeah. grip. The tyrant's grip is that person who controls you. It's that unhealthy pastor who you say you, you've gotten over that experience, but you don't go to church and you always have bad things to say about Christianity because of that guy who did an awful thing. Like, I'm sorry he did the awful thing, but if he's still controlling you 10, 15 years later, then it's not him anymore. Like he's done. He doesn't know who you are anymore because he's, because he's so narcissistic. He's not thinking about you. You like still holding on to those actions and you have a wound, a real wound, real uh -huh. hurt, not trying to minimize the hurt. That's right. I'm trying to bluntly point out, I, and I tend to be too blunt, but bluntly point out that you're being controlled by a spirit. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what being triggered ultimately is, right? We're, we're being controlled by something. And that's a telltale sign, a classic sign that the enemy is operating in your life. That's not so the if yeah. I've been wounded, um, somebody comes along, I've never dealt with my wound. It's still there. It's still festering with demons or whatever the case It's It's wounded in the present tense. And somebody comes along and bumps my wound. I react to that person for bumping my wound. And I think, oh, you know, I, this, this guy, and this is why we do react to like the flat tire. And we say, oh, that was this, that was Satan. He gave me a flat tire on the way to church. It's like, no, man, your, your wound was just bumped. And now you're blaming the thing that irritated you. But realistically, we have to go back to the source of the wound and we have to deal with that thing. And we have to vocalize forgiveness. I, I think I've found so often that I'll say, have you forgiven that? authority figure? Have you forgiven your boss, your pastor? Have you forgiven your parents? Have you forgiven? And, you know, they'll say something like, well, I'm over it. 
um, yeah, I, you know, I let that go a long time ago. And I think what happens is we confuse uh, the numbness or the hardness of heart with forgiveness. And if you actually, you know, instead of thinking of this passively, let's think of it actively and say, have you actively vocalized forgiveness? Did you put his sin on the cross and let the debt go? Um, and that's where you find a lot of people say, well, I don't think I've actually said those words, you know, so then you walk through that and, you know, then you, the waterworks happen and then, right. yeah, you're doing a real heart surgery. Yeah. So when, when we, we have this lie in society, it says time heals all wounds. Mm. Sometimes you need to wait. You need to let time pass to do reconciliation. But when I was a kid, I, uh, I fell on like a wood floor. Um, and I got a splinter in my knee and then like, I didn't realize it. <clears throat> and then maybe six months later, I had this big lump on my knee and, uh, relatively speaking, it was a lar- large lump that shouldn't be on top of the knee. And so ultimately my, my dad had to go in and find that splinter and clean it out. So time didn't heal the wound, right? Sure. There was just this like overcompensation that my body was producing to try to cope with it. But until that foreign object was removed, then it wasn't healthy. It was just getting worse and worse. And in those wounds, it, it's just 99% of the time, the enemy gets an infection in. Yeah. He, gets, he gets a lie in, right? The, the number one way the enemy, um, I'll say, I'll take that back. One of the common ways the enemy operates in our lives or gets a possession in our life is through believing a lie, right? And And you could say that's the first way with Eve, right? He got her to believe a lie. Mm-hmm. And once we believe the lie, we put faith in what they're saying, their word, the enemy's word, and we give them power to operate in our lives. If we believe the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that belief invites a spirit, the Holy Spirit, to work in our life and produce fruit. If we believe a lie from the enemy, it invites him in our lives to operate and produce an unhealthy, toxic fruit. A toxic tree can't bear good fruit. A good tree can't bear toxic fruit. So if you got this infected wound in your life, you got to you got to clean it out. It's painful. My dad's dug that splinter out of my my knee. It didn't feel good. It would have been a lot easier if I would addressed it right away. And we you know, we get beat up and and I think again rejection. Uh, and we talked more about rejection in the sermon, and we're giving some some bonus content in this in this interview. But yeah. rejection is that place um, we operate a lot of times as orphans. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. It was, it's so appropriate. You bring up uh, an example from your childhood and you said, you know, that not on my knee, it was big, relatively speaking, you know, it's big for an eight-year-old. I think that's super important to remember when, when as adults, you know, when you're 40 years old and you're being confronted with this memory and, and you think, oh, it's so silly. How could that possibly be the source of my wound? Well, it wasn't silly when you were eight, you know, relatively speaking, that wound is a big deal when you're young. And so often I think we suffer the rejection wounds as children. And then as an adult, the enemy's there going, that's not it. You know, that's so silly. That's not a rejection wound. You're fine. Right. Right. But nope, that was the source. That little tiny splinter that happened so long ago, it's been festering ever since. Yeah, I think we have all these terms that we've created in society to explain rejection. Birth Ooh. order, right? You got birth Ooh. order. 
So if he's the oldest, he acts this way. And if he's the second or middle child, you know, and the youngest. But these are all different ways that a spirit, an attitude and a light and a way of of acting uh, manifest in us. And, and a lot of them are based on rejection. Okay, so the oldest came too early. Mom and dad didn't want them. He feels rejected. He feels like he can't ever measure up to uh, his parents. And he feels over a ton of pressure on him because his parents expect him to be perfect because every a lot of parents do it with their first kid. The second child, the parents were like overcorrecting, right? And and then the youngest, the youngest they didn't want because they were too, you know, it was a mistake. You know, there's just this, <laughs> there's just these cliches. Oh, much rejection. Pretty common society, but all of those things create wounds in individuals. Yes, and a lot of parents don't realize um, <laughs> that the things that they believe about their kids come out, and the fact that they didn't want that pregnancy and they decided that they would keep it actually does impact the child. And, um, you know, that's something we did in that, in that afternoon session on spirit, uh, spirit forward is actually walked through some memories that Charles Kraft has, uh, gone through some of the, uh, experts on memory from, um, you know, the different universities, institutions in America and done a lot of memory research. And ultimately the conclusion was by several researchers that we form our memories, begin forming our memories when our, our uh, moms are six weeks along and um, it's like a, a molecular level mm-hmm. forming of memories because there's, there's not a whole lot of baby at six weeks along. Um, but they're uh, still forming what they believe about themselves. And that's pretty interesting because about six, seven, eight weeks, right. Um, mom and dad or the, the parents of this child are having conversations about whether they want the child or not, how they feel about this. Uh, that's just, that's just the conversation that happens a lot around pregnancy in, in our culture. And that has, uh, that, that creates, um, a foundational belief in the child about themselves, even though they could never verbalize that. Like it's a, it's a, the sub, 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 subconscious level. But I have seen this dozens of times. Yeah. I've, seen, I've walked people through in the thirties, forties and fifties, uh, of years of age walk them through this pre-birth exercise and mm-hmm. seen them have experiences. Uh, people have found out that they were, that their parent, their mom uh, attempted an abortion or considered an abortion because we went to a particular month before they were born. And we asked the Lord to reveal to them anything that happened to that month. My own children, my wife had a, a pretty serious, uh, uh, a near accident carrying one of my, my children. And it happened uh, in, um, in the wintertime. And, uh, and there was snow on the ground and to spare all the details, but, uh, my kids never knew about it. And so I walked all my kids through this. And one of them, when I got to that particular month and I had forgotten about it, he talked about how cold it felt. Wow. He talked about a lot of fear that came over him and could see snow. And so the whole thing took place, uh, at like a, a four wheeling snowmobiling thing that took place mm-hmm. and created trauma on the pregnancy. And so there's all these experiences that, you know, it's hard for us to believe. It almost sounds like sci-fi, but mm-hmm. then you also have Psalm 139, which is like, mm-hmm. he's, he's knitting us together, our inward parts. Um, he's already doting over us, singing over us. Um, you know, while, before we're born, you've got John the Baptist being filled with the Holy spirit and leaping because he heard what he, he heard, what his mom heard. Amen. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, that's great. there's, uh, some evidence of it. And it's not something that we want to overemphasize, but it points to the the greater need 
for us to go deal with the memories that we we do clearly have of rejection. So if you don't want to go before birth and you think that's crazy, sure, I get it. But um, when your parents broke up at seven and your life changed and your grades dropped and your your spirit changed about you, um, you, you remember that one. And that that had a dramatic impact that the Lord wants to minister in. Jesus wants to reveal himself in that and bring healing. Amen, man. Amen. Uh, you used the, an interesting concept in the sermon where you had said the church has already had a reformation of doctrine, but we need a reformation of love in the church. Um, you gave great examples of how um, men um, find it so awkward to receive love from other men. You tell a dude, I love you, and he freezes up. You know, didn't know how to respond to that. Um, what what do you mean that the church needs a reformation of love? Yeah, so I'm I'm really big on affirmation. Um, now I can be better at doing it, better at affirming people. Well, amen. But but the need uh, for affirmation, and um, I'm like one of those guys who coaches people how to do it better than I do it myself. <laughs> um, you know, I could teach people to play golf, but I can't play worth a lick myself. And it, it's kind of like that. I, I think that, um, you know, because of rejection, because of heart wounds that aren't dealt with, uh, we're not very good lovers. Um, our our society's that way. Our society is oh, yeah. is warped. Um, the the prevalence of of pornography, um, just the the this the perversions of love that exists um you know i mentioned the story of david and jonathan and a lot of a lot of people have taken that story and kind of run with it because they can't imagine two guys could love each other in the way that the bible describes and it not be something sexual mm-hmm. you know and they're placing the culture of today yes it's very homosexually charged um in america at least they're placing that on their bible interpretation of a story that happened you know, thousands of years ago. And it's just another example of how the world can't wrap their minds around healthy love. And that, that, that relates to father wounds. I think predominantly God has chosen to reveal himself to us as our father. And so the enemy has destroyed, destroyed the, um, understanding of what healthy fathering is. Yeah. You don't have healthy fathering. You don't have healthy same sex friendships. Like it's, it's really tough. Good point. Particularly for men. Um, as far as the, the relationships, but, but unhealthy fathering affects both genders in, in, uh, very grievous ways and it affects our friendships and it affects our relationships moving forward. And that's just the way it is. So the reformation of love is helping men, uh, love their wives and love their children. And then those men, um, can love other believers and in turn, a collection of believers called a local church can love other local churches. And in turn, those, that collection, those collections of local churches that are like a, maybe a denomination or something can love another denomination. Oh, and, uh, and the body of Christ could love one another. It's like, that it's would so be a clear. reformation. Yeah. It's so clear in the NLT, uh, for my King James only friends, go read first John, the NLT and, uh, sprinkle your conscience with the blood of Jesus, that's uh, Hebrews 10. But read it, and and if you say you love me and don't love your brother, then you don't love me. That's what it says in the NLT. I, I like it. 
I mean, I don't <laughs> think that needs to be exegeted. I don't need someone to explain the Elizabethan English to me. It's real clear. If I don't love my my brother, my sister, I don't love Jesus. And uh, that's right. So the Reformation of love, it's clear from the the mudslinging and uh, um, hyperbolic rhetoric, the uh, the the scathing rhetoric that you can find on Twitter if you're on for more than ten seconds, right? Mm. That we're just not very good at. building people up using our words to build people up and that's why spiritual gifts aren't super popular because a spiritual gift is supposed to edify your brother or sister oh man that's a good point wow so so paul's like here's what spiritual gifts are first corinthians 12 here's the point of spiritual gifts first corinthians 13 13. right if you do this and have not love then you're just useless you're just an annoying noise (laughs) um but if you do this with love you can move mountains that's so good And, uh, and so the motivation of gifts should be out of love for each other. And so every, you know, my journey for the Holy spirit was seeking his power. And every time I asked him for more power, he reveals a need for more love. He reveals love to me and he opens my heart deeper to love people around me more, learn to love enemies, pray for them. Uh, it's just more lessons in love every time I want more power. Well, you said it like. 20 minutes ago, the two commandments, love God and love people. And Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we can rightly say if we're not loving God and loving people, we're disobeying the commandments and we are not loving Christ. Yeah. I think, I think anyone who's been in a spirit forward conference would walk away attesting to the overflow the overabundance of love and and these conferences are not guys with some new doctrine trying to pound their um brothers and and guilt their brothers with not believing a new doctrine it is the sharing of love it is the work of first corinthians 12 13 and 14 for sure man i appreciate that um we probably should have taken this conversation into like eight different episodes you know it's an amazing conversation. I'm I'm happy we had this. I'm going to be sending this conversation repeatedly in in the coming months and years because it's something that comes up so frequently. It's something that churches of all kinds need. Um, I don't know about you, but my experience was when I started hanging out with churches across the aisle, and I started meeting Pentecostal brothers and sisters, Charismatic brothers and sisters, non-denom. I'm realizing. Well, just because you have a, a concept of the the you know the power of prophecy, for example, just because you can speak in tongues or whatever the case may be, it does not mean that that you are walking in love. It doesn't mean that you're not dealing with a rejection wound, man. And and so I just across the board, this lesson is so needed in the church where men and women are just unable to receive the love of Father. Because they've not dealt with a, a lifetime of, man, the wounds and the self-loathing. Um, so this is such a big deal. It plays a huge part in Spirit Forward. I know it plays a huge part in the Father's House and the ministry that you guys do. We talked about it in the last episode, and I want to bring it up again. Um, anyone can contact your church and or my church or Josh Smith's church and um, schedule a prayer room. Anyone can say, man, I am really struggling uh, with 
porn. I am really struggling with competitive spirit in my church. I'm really struggling with bitterness. My marriage is about to burst, whatever the case is. And, um, and I need help. Am I dealing with demons? Is this a bad attitude, a bad atmosphere or a bad adversary? And, uh, and they can come in in the privacy and the, you know, um, the, the, what, what's the word that we will respect the privacy anonymity. I don't know. Yeah. Even that for sure, uh, to come in and to be helped. Yeah. It's a, it's a great opportunity. You know, people come in and I feel like, uh, they want something new and we end up giving them the gospel. I think spirit yeah. forward, <laughs> forward preaches yes. the gospel to believers. Yes. You know, um, and unbelievers alike. Hey, we had some, some unchurched first time church people that came, uh, to spirit forward and got saved. Praise Thank God. Last conference. But the answer, so when I talk about rejection, I feel like the Lord's given me some uh, grace there where I can communicate it. And people are like, you know exactly how I feel. And so I'm like, okay, let's solve it. And they get real excited. They're ready for like a new prescription. And I'm like, you need Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, man. You know, it's like, well, I'm a pastor. I don't give uh-huh. out prescriptions. Um, I already have Jesus. Jesus gives us our father, you know, and and the, the cure for the orphan spirit is to have parents, right? If I feel orphaned, I feel isolated, I need family. So Jesus made us a family. The church is family. That's why it's so, so awful to have church hurt because you're, you get family hurt. Yeah. Um, and I hate that. And I've experienced it. Um, and I've probably inflicted it um, at different times in life. But, you know, the, the cure for, for being an orphan is having a father and you get a father through Jesus. Jesus uh, is the father of our faith, and he he connects us to Abba. And uh, I have experienced that uh, profoundly, uh, personally, in my life. Uh, father wounds healed by Abba, and um, and so when when you allow a believer who's healthy, right? Uh, you who are healthy or you who are strong restore somebody who's fallen. And that doesn't just mean moral failure. Somebody who's struggling. When you sit down with a believer or two or three and let them love on you by praying and speaking into your life, the gospel, um, that is one of the most effective ways I've seen for people's wounds to be cleaned out and for healing to begin. Um, You are not, you don't walk out, you don't walk in like a weak Christian and walk out super Christian. Um, You walk in struggling and you walk out um, with relief and and now set to to have peace so uh it's not like a two-hour meeting that fixes all but you feel like it sometimes um and i've i've seen people stand up and just put their arms in the air and jump up and down and just rejoice because the monkey's off their back right yeah the, yeah the triggers are gone there's still yeah. a very tender place that's treated been treated uh and it feels raw but healing is beginning yes hallelujah yeah that relief is so sweet so needed and uh, I think it's so appropriate for men in particular, but men and women to reason with the question of, um, do I really feel loved by my father? I know it, but do I feel it? Do I feel like God loves me? And um, a lot of that really does trace back to to being wounded and the spirit of rejection and so on. Um, Ken, thank you so much for your ministry, man. Thank you for loving the church, the whole church for pouring yourself into anyone and everyone taking your time and um, sitting down with oftentimes even total strangers and bringing them to a place of adoption. 
to blank, bringing them into the place of the father's table. And, um, and you've, you've poured so much into my life and I am positive that, uh, the majority of people listening to these shows are people who have been helped by you. And, um, I know that you've had to walk through, uh, your own stuff to be able to walk people through their stuff. Um, but this is the beauty of the church. And, uh, so praise God for what he's doing in spirit forward. Thank you for your faithfulness, Ken. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're, we're, we'll wrap it up and uh, we're going to leave links in the description to church websites. Um, we'll hope that you'll visit um, the sermons that are from the spirit forward conferences. Those are on the father's house uh, YouTube channel. And um, so if you'll find the father's house, listen to all of the spirit forward conferences each of them pack a punch they are wonderful they are uplifting and encouraging if you haven't yet heard all those you want to because these future episodes that we're doing here will be follow up to those sermons and and so we'll be discussing those and you'll want to be on the in for those episodes yeah yeah that's been awesome um next time we'll talk about baptism of the spirit we got the spirit and we got fire. I think it's going to be an awesome conversation. Yes. Um, and I'm so enjoying this, Josh. Thanks for uh, jumping on and making this happen. Yeah. Praise God. See you, Ken. This has been the second half of a two-part conversation on the matter of demonic deliverance and the spirit of rejection. It's a conversation that we believe could help just so many ministries around the world. And uh, I would like to invite you to our website, spiritforward.faith, where you can find links uh, to the playlists of our past Spirit Forward conferences, as well as other episodes of this podcast. And so uh, there on our website, you'll find those resources over at spiritforward.faith. Thanks for listening. For more resources, please visit spiritforward.faith. And until next time, may God bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you.